It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin, AsianBoxing.info is the website. You know where to find us. You know where to find Scott and his tremendous writing. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. And yourself? I'm doing excellent. I know it's been a slow start to the boxing scene in Asia for January, but we did have some cards. Let's start off in Korea. We don't talk enough about Korean boxing. January 9th, there was a great Korean card. There was. There genuinely was a great Korean card. It was the first real um, stream show of the year, and it had two thrilling bouts on it. The show opener um, between Ji Yuk Choi and Young Tershin was just an all-out war. It was a £154 um, thrill-a-minute battle, a toe-to-toe war. But that was quickly overshadowed by the main event between Jong Seung Kang and Nam Jun Lee, who clashed the Dewey B.O. Oriental Featherweight title and put on an absolute show. Um, this is just 12 rounds of pure brutal violence. Fantastic way to kick the year off. When I think about Korean boxers, there's so many that were, were legends. Are there any Korean boxers right now who you think could emerge on, on the world stage? There is one or two. Um, Dawon Gang probably looks the best of the bunch. Jong Seong Kang is the guy who won it uh, back on January 9th. Is a real full-on, uh, full-forward, aggressive fighter that has some of the hallmarks of the old Koreans. Um, very much an all-out aggressive, aggressive fighter, high pressure, high workload. Not the best defense, but he makes a fun TV fights. There's two or three others that are perhaps coming through the ranks, but what Korea is now doing is a lot of rookie tournaments. So they're developing young talent. Uh, they're, they're giving novices a chance to shine, and that's where they're going to find these new stars of the future, I think. Um, but yeah, Korean boxing isn't what it used to be. There are glimpses of real talent there at the moment. So maybe 10 years down the line, we'll start to see an influx of great Korean champs. We can certainly hope so. I think we're probably not going to see that many, but we're going to see a handful here and there um, at world level. Well, somewhere where we are seeing a lot of boxers really thrive and a lot of youngsters really start to explode is in Japan. And on the 14th, we saw one of those youngsters back in the ring, Takuma Inoue, and he faced off against a hard puncher, Kita Kurihara. Yeah, so anyway's first bout since he lost to Nadine Obali towards the end of 2019. He we had a few questions to answer here, and he answered them all fantastically well. He outboxed Kurihara, he outmoved Kurihara, outworked him, outsped him. He probably looked as good as ever looked as a professional. Kurihara was um, was given problems early on from a head clash that left him with a nasty cut after round one, but I think even without the cut. Inuit had his number right for the bout. This was for the OPBF Bantamweight title, so Inoue secures that. For him, is a world title shot on the horizon? I'm not sure whether it's on the horizon, but it will come eventually. Um, with the way the world is right now, as well as his brother's aims for the Bantamweight division, I think Takuma will have to wait a while, but He's 24, 25. He's a young kid still, a young pup. So I don't think him waiting particularly long is going to be an issue. 
I think when we see him fight for title again, he will be a fully fledged adult. He'll be, you know, in his prime, and I think he'll probably go all the way. That's a great point, Scott. Uh, the Obali experience, I think, was excellent because he was young and maybe not fully in his prime. Definitely not in his prime. So it was a good experience. It wasn't his best, but. He once he gets back in there for a, a second world title shot, he's going to be stronger and he's going to be um, probably in his primes. So that's going to be really exciting. The undercard of this uh, Kurihara Inoue bout, it was stacked with a lot of young talent, Scott. It was. It was set with some fantastic talent that we spoke about in the past, like Katsuki Mori, who looked fantastic in his win over Sora Takeda. Now also had Ryutaru Nagagaki, who he really went to town on Yuji Okinari's body in round four. Left Okinari in absolute agony. I dare say Nagasaki's probably the best prospect in world boxing that most people won't have heard of. He looks something absolutely special. And there's also a second win for Kisuke Matsumoto, who was wobbled um, in the first 20-25 seconds by Vegeta Ishikawa, but came back and dropped Ishikawa twice to claim a TKO win. For those who haven't seen this one, Ishikawa's always worth watching. He dresses up like a Dragon Ball Z character every time he comes to the ring. Um, very, very, very interesting guy. Yeah, his record may not look exciting, but when you're dressing up as a Dragon Ball Z character, people are going to watch. I-, I love that. Exactly. He's made his name by losing but being interesting. And then a couple days after this card, uh, back at Karakan Hall on the 16th, we saw the OPBF welterweight title between Riku Nagahama and Ryota Toyoshima. This was a much more competitive bout than the bantamweight bout. Um, Nagahama entered the bout looking for, I believe, his first defense. He really just took a beat from Toyoshima for most of the bout. He was dropped in round eight, I think. It was seven or eight. Um, and Toyoshima just kept landing big, heavy shots throughout the contest. Nagahama, who previously fought Takeshi Inoue and Yuki Nagano, shows toughness here. He's really resilient. He'd been stopped in his previous two losses, but showed real grit and determination. But he was on the receiving end of an absolute battering from Toyoshima. Akahiko Katsuragi's card is way, way too close. It wasn't a competitive bow at all. On the undercard, too, we, we saw a lot of debuts from different young fighters. Yeah, I think there's five debutants on that card, but the one that really, really stood out was Jukia Imura. He was um, in the chief spot belt. He was the one who basically followed everybody else, and he's seen his stalemate, Yugo Kon, lose. He's seen uh, fellow stalemates, Johnny Kigawa and Yudai Murakami both pick up wins, but not look particularly great. He went out and he just blitzed uh, Daisuke Yamada. Dropped him twice. The second knockdown was brutal, and Yamada ended up getting taken out the ring on the stretcher. Really, really excited to see what Imura brings in the future. Asian Boxing, the podcast, AsianBoxing.info is the website where Scott covers it all. Now, Scott, uh, in just a couple of days, we have a, a very, very uh, exciting card. One for the JBC Super Bantamweight title, the other for the JBC Super Featherweight title. Um, first, let's start with Yusaka Kuga versus Gakuya Furuhashi, that for the Super Bantamweight title. 
So this will be Cougar's first defense of his second reign. He is heavy-handed. He's exciting. He's come forward. His title win in 2019 against Ryoichi Tomorrow was absolutely thrilling. Um, but he has been inactive since losing to Jean-Riel Ramanol at the very end of 2019. We've really got to wonder what his chin is like and what his confidence is like after that loss. Uh, for Furuhashi, this is his third bout for a Japanese title. He is much less well-known. He's not been a champion. Uh, this is Kuga's second reign again. Furuhashi hasn't had a first reign. He's getting on in there. He's about 33, I believe. But he's all pressure, all action. And given the way the style should gel, we should be in for an absolute war for this one. Um, Furuhashi is wanting to become the first fighter born in, raised in, and at a gym in Kanagawa um, to win a Japanese title, which I think is a bizarre start to have uh, never had someone come from a Kanagawa gym, being born and raised there, winning a Japanese title, given that it's the second largest city in Japan. And the other Japanese title for the super featherweight uh, bout between Kosuke Saka and Takuya Watanabe. I love Saka. Saka's a fun fighter. Watanabe's as tough as they come. This just has brutal, thrilling, violent wall written all over it. Um, Saka is the power puncher. His most famous loss is to uh, Ohashi, where he just misheard the clacker, heard it as the bell, and got knocked, knocked clean out. One of the weirdest knockouts in recent memory. Takuya Watanabe is probably best known for his fight with Jason Lee, where he left, um, left about three pints of blood in the ring in South Korea. So this should be brutal. So I know it seems like January is starting off very slowly, but we've had some good action. We had a couple great cards this past week, um, and then now... This card with two different Japanese title belts on the line. So, slowly but surely, Scott, we're starting to see things materialize. Yeah, it feels like January is always a slow month. Um, and this has been a particularly slow one. We will see action pick up. February doesn't look particularly great. I think March and April will be when things start to, start to feel a little bit better. I mean, we can't blame anyone right now especially with this pandemic that is halting a lot of fights but also in december there there is a lot of great cards so it makes sense and, and like you said always january and the beginning of the year is a little bit slower uh it's the asian boxing podcast asianboxing.info scott let's get to news we actually have some fights that possibly could be coming up Nothing set in stone yet, but first let's start with the monster, Naoya Inoue. His next bout, not yet announced, but we do know his opponent. His opponent will be Michael Dasmarinas. The bout will be an IBF bantamweight um, mandatory defense. After Takuma Inoue's win um, on Thursday, Mr. Ohashi was asked what's next for the monster, and he reported that this was going to be next for him. And Akihiko Honda of Taiken said that it's likely to be in Japan. Um, but Bob Arum has since suggested that it may be in the US. It really just depends on how the COVID situation unravels over the next few months. Again, probably not the most exciting fight when you think about it. I know Das Marinas is, he's a tough, tough fighter. But I would have liked to see Inoue 
in against another different belt holder. That would have been a little bit more enticing for me. But again, I understand you have to defend the IBF belt. Yeah, get the mantra out of the way. I think that's probably why it's going to be likely in Japan is to get the mantra out of the way at home um, and then look towards a guy like John Real Casemiro, Nadine Bali. Um, but yeah, get the mantra out of the way. Don't have that hanging over your head. Another superstar in Japan finally getting back in the ring. You and I thought maybe uh, maybe he was going to retire or just become a television movie star. But Ryota Murata is reportedly going to be fighting again. Who? We don't know. Yeah, so he turned 35 recently and had a nice big cake in a press conference. And um, he announced that he's going to be fighting again in April or May. As a uh, in regards to who we really don't know, he said it'd be a world ranked guy, so that's kind of obvious given that he'll be defending his WBA super duper title. Um, but the longer term plan is to then return in September and potentially face Gennady Golovkin. So, easy about April May, nice big one later in the year. If he does that, I'll forgive him for not being in the ring this past year. If he gets in with Golovkin, because that will be a a super fight if uh, Golovkin and Murata get it on. I know they're both up in age, but it could be a good last fight for both of them. Yeah, it, it's one that Murata's team has been targeting for a while. It's one that would certainly be very fun to watch. But I don't know, I think Golovkin still has way too much for Murata. I would have loved to see Murata against Devryanchenko. I think that would have been a fantastic fight. Uh, the styles would have gelled. I just think Gorkin's still too fresh, even at the age of 38, 39. He'll still be too light on his feet, too quick, too adaptable for uh, the rather basic Murata. And also, back in the ring, Seiya Tsutsumi. But his opponent also, TBD. Yeah, TBD is going to be a very busy man. I believe he's working 14 Frank Warren shows this year, a few Eddie Hearn shows, and Murata versus Satsumi. TBD is one of the he's one of the top pound for pound fighters in the world. Yeah, if you've never seen TBD, make sure you check him out. He's fantastic. Makes any weight, comes in on a very short notice. Fantastic fighter. Uh, as for Satsumi, he'll be in action on March 24. Uh, the rest of the details for the card haven't really been announced. But we know that um, Imura, who I mentioned earlier, will be on it. And Takuya Kugawa has also been booked for it. It'll be a Karawebi show at Corrigan Hall. All right. So, you know, we, we have some of the superstars coming back into the ring soon, hopefully. Uh, speaking of superstars, the Japanese Boxing Awards, at least the nominations were announced. And Scott, no surprise here, but we see a lot of the same names back on this list. Yeah, we see a lot of names. It was also a very limited year. Um, there wasn't a lot of action, so therefore the nominations are always going to be limited by that. The likes of Kazuto Ayoka, Junto Nakatani, and Noya Inoue are up for a handful of awards. Um, Masayoshi Nakatani and Hironori Mishiro up for a couple. Ryoji Fukunaga and Kenichi Horikawa are up for this, uh, are up some. Um, it's kind of the names we would expect. Best fight of the year, for example, Kazuto Ayaka versus Kosei Tanaka. I think that's probably the obvious winner. Um, Masayoshi Nakatani versus Fukuda Dehos up there. There's no real surprises there. Um, 
there wasn't enough boxing to give a surprise there, I think. Yeah, and you, you can't blame the JBC for giving out the same awards to the same people because, like you said, not a lot of fights, and the fights that were good were spectacular. It's the same guys. It's the it's the Iokas, the Noes. You know, Junto Nakatani made his way onto the scene. So, say you were betting on the JBC awards, like, oh, who's going to get this award? I don't know if they have a, a betting line for that, but it'd be easy to bet on that. Yeah, depends on where they have a betting line. Um, but yeah, you can assume Ayoka would probably win Best Fighter. Skill Award, would he be the Nakatani or Inoue? Um, yeah, it's not really anything that's going to be too surprising, I don't think. Maybe the female MVP. I'm not sure whether they'll give it to Tada, Okuda, or Iwakawa. Other than that, I can't see there being any shocks at all. There you go. You heard it right here. You heard all the winners for the Japanese Boxing Awards. Um, A little bit of sad news. Not really sad, but uh, you never like to see a fighter leave, but I think it's probably best. But Yuki Strong Kobayashi has retired. Yeah, he reported on his um, his own personal blog yesterday that he's retiring following his loss to Diago Higa um, on New Year's Eve. He was really, really thankful for his team. He repeatedly thanked Muto Jim and Kusuke Takeichi, his trainer. He explained that early on in his career, he kept getting injured. He didn't have the defense to match his style. Then he mentioned how he improved. He scored his happiest moment when he stopped um, Vincent Astralabia in Malaysia. Despite being best known for his loss to Higa, he did have a really, really good career. Um, his bout with Kita Kurihara is fantastic. His win over Ben Mananko is absolutely brilliant. Um, he gave Yejun Kim a fantastic bout in South Korea. He also got knocked out in spectacular fashion by one of the Magrinos. I think it was Ray Magrino in Singapore, I think, or Macau. He was a fun guy to watch. Never one of the best, but always a guy who gave his all one. I think um, I think boxing's a lot better when fighters give their all rather than just come for the paydays. That's all you can ask. And like you said, not the most talented, but he always made fights exciting. And that's all you can ask. Yuki Strong, Kobayashi lived up to his name. He was definitely strong, especially for some of the beatings that he took. But I think it was the right time, especially after the loss to, to Higa. Yeah, I believe he turns 30 this year as well, and I think he kind of thought 30 was the point where it was probably time to hang them up. You needn't take any more punishment when you're past your prime years. And given the punishment he has taken, his prime probably wasn't going to be particularly long. So we definitely give our best wishes to Yuki Strong Kobayashi in his future endeavors. I know he'll succeed in whatever he decides to get in if he puts in the effort uh, like he has with boxing. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin, asianboxing.info. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. And remember, we're always going to be here. Scott does a great job with the website. If you love Asian boxing, you love the videos, you love the news, you love this podcast, it's all there at asianboxing.info. Well, That's it for this week, but remember to stick around. We will talk to you soon. See you later. Adios. 
Sayonara. Thank you.